Recently on the Worldwide Hoops podcast with Kurt Akulina. Start by congratulating you on the on the recent commitments that you've that you've gotten with with FIBA as a FIBA commissioner. Officials, first of all, are not the game. Officials are part of the game. Uh, we form an important part of the game because, after all, as you may know, and everybody can also be aware of, without officials, there will not be a game. However, it is bad if officials look at the game in a sense that they one would think that officials are indispensable for the game. Especially today, when I started off way back in the 90s, internet technology was in its prehistory, okay? We didn't have, I wished, I wish I had all the opportunities that today's young referees have, especially with technology, with all these videos and games and, and applications that you could use to review your own games. Okay, games that instantly come to my mind might not be. For example, many many have asked me. For example, one of my top my top uh, assignments were, for example, my two times in Eurobasket Women uh, Championships. These are the top Euro- European Championships in 2011 in Poland and also just last summer in in France. I had also a very important milestone in my career was the uh, 2006 Commonwealth Games in Australia. I refereed the final there in Australia for the Commonwealth for the Commonwealth Games. However, a game that I remember and I really like because it was a great performance as a team. Because ultimately, when we talk about refereeing, it's not an individual; it's a team. In basketball, we use a three-man system. It was a very a great chemistry and both before the game and during the game was, for example, 2013 the under-18 European Championships. This was the bronze medal game in Latvia. Uh, Spain against Latvia, where Spain won the bronze medal with a buzzer beater three pointer um, just just a seconds before the end of the game. A buzzer beater, a one, one point win. When, for example, in Latvia, there were the likes of Porzingis playing, Juan uh, and William Hernan Gomez for Spain. Uh, it was not not only these were under 18s, these were the, the crop, the today's stars, okay, uh, but it was also the chemistry going into the game. But then there are other games that you remember, for example, the for sure I remember way way back in my career, start of my career, the first time, for example, that I had uh, an 8,000, 9,000 persons in the gym, Pagdarina, for example, in Turkey, being in the dressing room and hearing, you know, well, you might say, football, football people might say, okay, 8,000, 9,000, 12,000, 15,000 is not that much compared to 70,000, 80,000 in a football city. But I remember talking about a basketball arena where it's much, much smaller, much smaller. It's a, it's a closed environment. But I still remember, for example, hearing in certain games, being in the dressing room, sometimes also beneath the beneath the 
beneath the, the court, hearing the supporters and the preparations for the games. Butterfly, there will be butterflies in your stomach, you have to admit something. You've got those games, okay? But then obviously, um, also through experience, once you have the jump ball, once you whistle your, more than the jump ball, once you whistle your first call, okay, then everything will be you know, going on. And sometimes this might seem, seem strange, but sometimes the more people there are in the gym, the more focused, the easier it is for you to keep focused. And the more empty the gym is, sometimes you start listening to yourself in the game and mm -hmm. sometimes it's boring and maybe you are liable to make more mistakes when there are no people watching. But the more people, sometimes you are so immersed that you won't even, you might think that I'm bluffing, but sometimes, not sometimes, I mean most of the time, I didn't even hear, you don't even hear the people because you're so damn focused in the game, you're so focused on the 10 players that, that are on the court and on the, bay, on, on the sidelines, the benches, the benches, that you don't even hear the, the, the people and all, all, all that, all that. It's only afterwards when you see mm. the, the post game, when you, are, when you are reviewing your own game, you are doing the game breakdown after the game, that you start no noticing that all that um, environment and atmosphere and singing and whatever going on in the gym. And uh, you mentioned uh, Porzingis, uh, Hernan Gomez. Was there a, a, a specific player that stood out in, in your career who you'd say, wow, this is the best player I've ever left for? I've seen, I've seen, I, well, I, I, have, I, I didn't have the opportunity to see hundreds of players, of top players, but talking about the play, top players that immediately you see, let's, let's talk about young players first, young players that I immediately saw and said, he's going to be a star for sure. Taking the male, taking the male aspect, for example, the first time I saw uh, Spain under 16, and then in the Spain under 16 team, there was a certain Rico Rubio. Amazing, amazing. I still remember him seeing him playing against Russia, doing 51 points in the final of the championships. It was amazing. This was amazing stuff. We're talking about, if I'm not, I'm not mistaken, uh, it could be 2005, six or seven. I can't remember the years exactly. But we're talking about that 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 time. Uh, the first time, for example, I saw as an under an under 18 player, Daniel, uh, sorry, Luca Doncic. Okay, Luca Doncic played. Uh, you could. See immediately that he's got he's got uh, amazing amazing prowess. The same, this, but for sure, the first player that made me work hard. I'm talking about top players. You know, we mean top players, NBA players. The first player that made me work hard. I still remember it was the year I think '99 or 2000, where when I was refereeing a Courage game in Italy. And in this uh, team, there was there were three of them, eventually that eventually won the gold medal in the 2004 Athens Olympic Games. To the, uh, Olympic Games, uh, but there was a certain Manu Ginobili playing. At that time, he was still before he went to before, before he went to America to play in the NBA, and I still remember. His first step was amazing. It took I was still a 28, 9, 29 year old referee there, very quite inexperienced. But his first step was 
definitely I never saw before that. Okay, somebody doing the first step so fast. Okay, and definitely after the game, I was a wreck physically to try and keep up with with the speed of Manu Ginobili in that particular game. But there were many other players, even from the family, from the women's side, uh, top players that could see immediately that that they're, they're, they're super, they're young and they're going to be superstars. And that's the joy of of having having opportunity to to referee these type of players because you ultimately at the at the top of of, of the basket of the basketball you know environment and now Ed, we've seen the joy of your refereeing career but uh, i wanted to move to something a bit um uh, a, a bit more uh, closer to the end of, of your refereeing experience because it, it has an, an unfortunate ending and I'm, I'm not talking about the the incident when you ended up injured during a game step off which by the way I, I, I I'd love to hear more about by the way but uh, the the fact that you were set to achieve 500 games by retirement but due to COVID restrictions and uh, which got in the way of that um, you didn't make it uh, what happened exactly? Well, you mentioned, well, as, as in everything in life, just like a rose, a beautiful rose has its thorns, also everything in life has got its pros and its cons. Uh, along the course of the career, well, now 28, 12, 29 years now as refereeing and 25 years of them as, as a FIBA referee, therefore there were many instances where things were not so rosy, maybe we had the torn side. Um, there were things that happened internationally, like you mentioned. There were also things that happened locally uh, that were also maybe on the negative side that maybe hurt me a bit, but I tend to try to be positive. Sometimes it's not easy to forget, but you have to forget sometimes if you want to move on. Uh, before I answer your questions, things that happened locally, for example, a uh, number of times, luckily, thanks God, these things have stopped. Uh, but a number of times my car was vandalized also locally, like scratched. And also remember in 2003, after the knockout final, uh, somebody vandalized clearly my car when they, they threw... Uh, big stone slabs on and broke the windscreen of, of my car locally here uh, things that people that also made, as i said um, damaged my car i happen to get to know about these people but i tend to be on maybe call me naive but i tend to you know uh, forget okay and take this what happened i try to move on with life and also a very a very sad incident in my career which i really disappointed me was in the mid 2000 where there was uh, people who even wrote had the cheek i would say to write uh, officially um, also doubting my integrity as a basketball as a basketball official something that i feel very 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 strongly about my integrity and i vouch hand on heart okay that uh, something that since the start of my career even as a player okay something that i feel strongly about and i go to bed every single night confident and 
outrightly say that these things were never in my baggage and I am the first one, I have said many times, I will be the first one to report any coefficient that I think or I sense that there was there is lack of integrity or trying to fix or, or do something with the game, but that is not sport, that is definitely not sport, okay? Does these things happen in life? In sport, well, sport is a is a reflection of life. Is there corruption in life? Yes, therefore there's corruption in sport for sure. But for sure, if I get heed of it, I mean, I will have no hesitation to talk to talk about or to report this. And coming to that, that's why I felt very strongly about this particular communication, which really disappointed me. And I would say, I have to admit, I said it a couple of times, but at that time I was also just seconds away from quitting okay i'm talking about 2003-2004 i was seconds away from quitting but I, I, could, I couldn't withstand such things but then luckily people got me in the right frame of mind and made me and made me move forward and luckily i i did so uh, coming to your question I, I will also talk about locally. I have nothing to to to, to maybe these are these are news items for you. I mean, they never heard these things, uh, but I've said them before. Few know, for example, that when I started refereeing or when I was offered the chance to referee um, when I got injured, uh, when I presented when I when I got nominated for my first game, which happened to be in Gozo, uh, woman game. Uh, but in the days following this particular game, the referees, the referees associate, most of the referees here in Malta also objected to my inclusion as a referee and also threatened to strike and not to referee. But luckily then the head of referees at that time, Joe Gregg, and also helped with his uh, assistant, Leonard Falson, then convinced me to continue and also convinced all the others to go back on their threat okay, of striking. Of striking. Uh, it, might, it might seem funny, but this is, this, is, this is the case. Other things that disappoint me, for example, sometimes I like to be a team player, but I hate, I hate to say, but for example, when in 2013 I was nominated for the EuroLeague Women Final 8, in Russia, I needed some match practice, and when whilst I am a, a, a team player and I try to help everybody, everybody at that time I asked for colleagues to give me some of their games just to have more game practice before I go to Russia because I was lacking some match practice at that moment, and unfortunately some people did not heed to the, to my plea and did not help me out. Okay, these are things that happen just like in a family. In a family, there's always there are always feuds, but these are things that make you make you make you know feel bad because you don't expect this, especially in a sporting in a sporting in a sporting scenario. Coming back to your questions, yes, you mentioned. Let's start from the first one. You mentioned my my I laugh, but it wasn't I wasn't laughing for sure. Um, my injury, my awkward <laughs> injury. Uh, 2019, I think it was, 18 or 19, I can't remember exactly, in Romania, these were the under 18 European Championships. I still remember going up to toss the ball, Romania versus Belgium under 18. I tossing up the um, to, uh, tossing up the ball for the jump ball, feeling something on my head. Yes, I have. I, I felt a knock, 
Um, um, I stopped the game and I returned to very briefly. Uh, the game was stopped. I was treated on the court. Eventually went to hospital. I have three, three, three stitches, permanent reminder of this game. Um, I thought I, I had I have also some hair gone because I had to shave part of my hair. And then luckily I am still 22 years old and therefore my hair can grow. Okay, and definitely hair doesn't grow back so fast now. And therefore it is also lacking hair there. there. But I mean, I, I, it, it was an experience going to hospital three stitches. The game still uh, went on because then there was the the standby referee that came in and finished the game. And uh, being who I am, I love the game. And, and three days later, I was back on the court refereeing. Okay, even though I was even offered the opportunity not to referee, but I returned back to refereeing in this particular championships. Coming to my recent. Adventure, let's go this way. Um, yes, I was looking forward to end my career. Um, I wasn't happy that I was ending my career because I wanted to continue refereeing, but rules are rules. At 50 years, you've got to stop refereeing. And in FIBA, uh, in your 50th, 50th year season, you have to end at the end of the season. It's not 50 years, do they, the day you are 50 years, you stop, no. When you get, I, I, my bird is in December, there was, I was 50, not this last December, but the December 2020. Therefore, I, I had to keep on refereeing until August of last year, the end of the season. And I was looking forward after going for the Eurobasket in France and also doing uh, uh, the European Small Nations Women Championships in Cyprus. Um, I, I was looking forward to my last nomination uh, in FIBA and also my, I was just four games away from doing my 500, my 500 game. Uh, normally in these championships you always have round about four to five games in these championships and therefore I was, I was sure that I'm going to do well. I was thinking that I will be my fifth, my five, my 500th game is going to be also probably my last game as an international referee. But uh, on the eve, not on the eve, I had to fly on Sunday for these particular championships. Just two days prior, I went to do a PCR test, not because I was asked to do a PCR test, but because I felt it, as I did always when I flew before uh, under COVID, it was my responsibility to do my PCR test. Um, I did my PCR test, but unluckily in the evening, the Friday evening, uh, the report came in via an email that the test was positive. A shock, a big shock for uh, for sure. I could not believe myself because I was doing a regular PCR test. I was running, I was going in with my physical preparation 
hands-on, 100%, every day, even on that day, instant, on Friday. I was running 10K in the morning and do, also doing an extra workout during the afternoon, and nothing was indicating that I had that I was ill. You might say, how do you know? How, could, how, how can you be so certain or almost so certain that nothing was wrong? Because uh, when we trained, uh, we had also we to use our fitness trackers, our fitness monitors, because um, as a FIBA referee, your training has to be registered and sent daily to the FIBA headquarters because, we, because there are coaches that monitor also the training. And as you might know and others who are savvy to certain medical intelligence may understand, your heart rate cannot lie. I can lie and tell you I have no fever. Uh, uh, by saying that, okay, but heart rate doesn't lie. Uh, when you are ill or you have something, automatically your heartbeat, resting heartbeat or working heartbeat is going to vary. There's at least a 10%, 15% difference and immediately will understand that something is wrong. And nothing was showing, but let's that's, that's, that's forget that for a moment. Um, the, the result was positive. I had, to, I had to accept that this was positive. But I felt that something was maybe not that correct. And I did, I carried out five, five PCR tests, 24 hours apart in the next five days. Therefore, I did tests on Saturday, on Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday, and on Wednesday. And all these tests resulted negative, resulted negative. Um, I know there are rules. I am aware that there are rules, but as in everything in life, I believe that nothing is perfect. Nothing is perfect. Um, it could be that the test was a false positive. Although it was given to me that it's not possible, it is well known everywhere around that there is a small, a small, but there is a small percentage that there could be a false positive test. Uh, or else I could have been positive at the end of my, let's say, COVID, COVID uh, illness, which means that you might have some remains, not infectious, okay, of, of COVID. But the fact that you have not one, not two, and as you might be aware, today it's becoming now common trend in, in the sports world, that once you get two negative tests, you are free, you are not, you are free from not infectious, therefore you can go out from quarantine. Certain uh, sports, including basketball, have, have had this also and be introduced only lately, but FIBA have had this also prior to this, let alone five, five in a row, negative tests in a row, for sure, science proves this today clearly that the probability of having not two but three but four but five negative tests the chances are very 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 small that you are infectious and uh, obviously i had to i had to cancel i had to cancel my tournament the coming tournament that was supposed to be in ireland but because um, i have a good relation also with fiba fiba offered me also because they knew and they, they knew how much it meant for me to finish my career. I mean, on a good note, they offered me to go to another tournament the week after, the week after. This, these were the last most tournaments in summer. There weren't another, another, another tournaments then after August, because once August finished, I'm out. And 
what I offered, what I offered, I know there are rules, but sometimes you have to use common sense. You can't go, I spoke before, there are rules, but if you go black on white, you are literal, okay? I believe that in life, you cannot use a one-size-fits-all approach to everything, just like in everything, just like teaching, whatever, but whatever, okay? There are rules, and there's also common sense. And I asked, I didn't ask to be released from one quarantine immediately after my fifth test. I even offered that I do three more extra days in quarantine, knowing that after five, clearly that five after five negative tests, your infection rate is at a minimum. And then I would have done eight quarantine days instead of 14 with all these negative tests in hand. And I would go then for my next tournament, but also this permission was not granted. And obviously I wasn't happy, but I had to accept the decision. Uh, FIBA kept until the eve of the second tournament open the chance for me to fly. They kept, I really appreciate their help because they really wanted me to help. Even though the, the doctors from FIBA were telling me this is crazy because this it's clear that, that you are not infected, but whatever. I had to accept this and I had to close off my career with the Cyprus tournament. Luckily, luckily, my last game happened to be also the final of that tournament. Therefore, at least I look at my last game as being the final, I mean, an important game in those championships. But then afterwards, okay, God closes one door, but he opens probably two or three more in life. And I'm lucky that afterwards in September, other doors opened. And luckily I have other responsibilities now in FIBA. Of course, nothing beats the fact that you are on the court refereeing. That is amazing. But the rules are there. 50 years, I have to do other responsibilities. At least I can keep on refereeing at least locally a different atmosphere different level but at least i can keep on doing my refereeing also locally and uh, uh, now speaking about local and uh, other other uh, commitments you you also act as an instructor for everest and you mentioned it even uh, earlier on in the in the interview as well and and i want to talk about this because uh, i find this very important that uh, even uh, even after the the on the courts instruction, you also take on a creative side by uh, creating educational videos, even even on YouTube. And uh, the channel is, is going to be in the description of the of the video here as well. Uh, how did that come about, and uh, what, what do you have in store for for the for the new year? <laughs> 